Welcome to A Command of Her Own, a Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Caitlin. And I'm your host, Jen. This week we're discussing the episode, Vaulting Ambition. And what an episode it was. I really liked it, and I remember it ended, and I was, like, surprised that I'd gotten to the end, because I didn't realize how long I'd been watching. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of really good stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was well-paced. I thought things were uh, mostly included. Like, there wasn't a lot of stuff that I would have cut in favor of other stuff. And it ended with yet another game-changer. Yes. So, uh, let's get into the show and start talking about things. I don't think we have any special announcements this week. Um, just on a side note, I don't know mm-hmm. where I'd gotten the information that I thought Jonathan Frakes had directed this episode, because he most certainly had not. No. Um, this episode was actually directed by a woman of color. Mm-hmm. I was looking it up this morning, and of course I can't remember her name already because... Hanel M. Culpepper. Yes. But she looks like she's done some amazing work in the past. Like, I was reading her biography, and... Um, she's won awards. She's done short film. She's done a lot of other TV direction. And I really, I was trying to rewatch the episode this morning, but I didn't have time to try and pay attention to some of those aspects of the direction because that is not my forte. So I kind of really have to like look with that in mind. And so I was trying to look at it again, but I didn't have time, but I thought it was well done. Yeah, so I just wanted to make sure I corrected myself there. Mm, yeah, okay. But other than that, I think we can jump right into it. Okay. Uh, so this is twice now that mm-hmm. Star Trek Discovery has tried to pull one over on us, and everybody's guessed it. Yes. <laughs> this is this is true. I, I don't think Star Trek has a very good track record for this kind of secretism. Mm-hmm. And, like, yeah, I don't know. It's it's hard to say because they haven't done anything episodic. Like, are they, they've done episodic type TV in the past. Mm-hmm. So the only other thing where this has really come up has been in their movie productions. And I don't know how many people guessed that... You know, way back with the original series movies, how Star Trek II would turn out. Mm -hmm. But in that case, the actual makers of Star Trek II weren't entirely sure how it would turn out as the production progressed. So that one was at least a little more genuine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But ever since then, Star Trek has not had a good track record of trying to be secretive. And Although I also credit that to the fact that Star Trek fans are clearly very intelligent. This is true. I was going to say one of the things like in their favor that you could say is just that they set it up well, you know, that there were enough hints because it always sucks when something like that comes completely out of left field and there was no hints whatsoever. And it feels like they kind of have to retcon stuff, right? Yeah. That's always like, oh, really? You just you had to put a twist in and you hadn't planned this far ahead. And so, yeah, that that's always a sign of weak writing. So at least this in this case, it was you can see where everything was leading up to this. Yeah, I I still think some of the way that he acted when they got to the mirror universe wasn't quite, I don't know, didn't really seem like he was from the mirror universe. But 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's just me. I, yeah. I guess we should say Lorca. Lor- yeah. If you're listening to this podcast, we're going to assume you've watched the episode Vaulting Ambition, so this should not be a spoiler. Yeah. Um, now, I wanted to talk a little bit, because this, this episode I thought did really well with having basically an A plot, a B plot, and a C plot that each got their sort of beats throughout the show mm-hmm. and were all really compelling and dealing with their current situation in different ways. The one where I think you're going to be disappointed, Kate, mm-hmm. is with the Vockler and Lavrell. Because I think it's pretty clear Lavrell is not going to be joining the crew of the Discovery. Yeah. Yeah. How did you like Saru's negotiations with her? They were fine. I don't know. I My favorite Lorel is still, like, smart, you know, secondhand commander type Lorel, not weird mm-hmm. love-struck, will-do-anything-for-this-one-person Lorel. Mm-hmm. I thought she was a little more into her Klingon pride this episode, uh, because she did bring up the fact that, like, he knew what he was getting into. He knew he was going to suffer. Mm-hmm. He's doing this for our cause. So that was okay. And then it just, it really feels like Lorel is kind of going to be written off the show after season one. Maybe. Unless she's there as a prisoner. You know, I don't know what's going to happen to them because she basically killed Valk mentally, right? And and just left Tyler. Was that what At happened? At least that's what was implied. I don't know because like last episode, I thought Stamets was like dead. Like, I thought that they had, like, Tilly was there and sat with his corpse. But I think that what actually happened was that he slipped in, like, he went into distress. They couldn't revive him or resuscitate him, and he was in a coma. So until they actually say what's going on, I'm not sure. Right. But, like, the way that that scene was filmed, that's what it seemed like. That she sort of cut off his part of the brain. Hmm. Vox part. Why why would she do that? Why wouldn't she cut off Tyler's part? Okay, that we don't know. But because with the flashbacks and her being so upset, that's what it seemed like. Mm. But that being said, like, why? It just feels like Vox, other than this, other than to be this one confused character has become useless. Like, when they introduced him, he was going to be this... Okay, let me get my thoughts together. It feels like, this way with both Valk and Laurel, that they were introduced to be... to take over after Takovma and to be these big forces in in Klingon and and in the show, and then they kind of just became nothing. Mm-hmm. Yes, I agree. And I know that the plan is to sort of have the Klingon war saga wrapped up in season one. But then does that just mean that those characters aren't going to come up again in seasons two, three, beyond? Like, I don't know. I don't know either. I I would like them. Well, I think we'll get more with Tyler. Mm -hmm. I mean, part of it is my own bias that... One of the things I've always thought would be cool was a Star Trek series not centered around humanity. Because they have lots of alien races. Yeah. And the problem with it is always the budget for doing the prosthetics 
and effects that are required to have a cast entirely like Klingon or Cardassian or, you know, whatever you choose. So I would love to see them more, but I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen with them. And I feel like if this is, I would at least like them to end well and have like a satisfying storyline that I don't know how that's going to end up though. I don't know what I want it to look like. Yeah, no, I don't know either. The only things I can think of would be like too good. Lorel and Bach don't really deserve that from a Federation standpoint. So where they basically get left alone to do their Or thing. like maybe set up as ambassadors. Especially Vok, oh. he would be kind of uh, particularly suited mm-hmm. to that. Hmm. But I don't think that would happen. No, I think best case scenario is that like he goes back and tries to unify the Klingon houses. Well, I think he's stuck looking like a human now. And I don't think other Klingons would, buy, would be for that. This was my problem from the beginning when the theory was first posited. I was like, why would he choose to try to like become a human in appearance? Because he would basically never be accepted by the own tenets of the Klingon society he believes in. Yeah. But that was my problem from the beginning. Maybe they'll surprise us and Lorel will go back to the Klingons and be a great unifying force. And... You know, the Tyler persona will be left intact and he'll get to stay. <laughs> Which, if he gets to keep his status as an officer and, you know, Burnham is stripped of rank, it's just going to point out the massive flaws of the patriarchal system. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> like, here's a person we've confirmed as like an enemy that's infiltrated our ranks, but yeah, it's okay. He can serve. No problem. No problem at all. Mm -hmm. I'm interested to see how they're going to wrap all that up. Yeah. Yes, I definitely am feeling a lot of momentum going into the final episodes where people are going to want to know what happens Mm -hmm. and how things get played out. So that's fun. How did you feel about the Stamets mycelial network and all the Tilly... Sciencey bits. Okay, so the Stamets in the mycelial network. I wasn't really enjoying mm-hmm. that bit until he ditched mm-hmm. other Stamets and okay found Culver, and they were talking, and maybe I cheered up. That part was cool. That was very happy. Well, no, it wasn't happy. Well, it's not happy at all. Getting to see Doug. No, okay, point taken. And there's been some interest. Okay, so do you do you think that Culber is in the mycelial network, and that his consciousness can be brought back to his body somehow? Or uh, if if they if like they do bring him back to life, which they goddamn better at this point, then that that's really the only thing that makes sense. But like, have they mm-hmm. preserved his body? I assume they would have. They don't really have time for a proper Starfleet. Burial. Like his neck is still broke. Yeah, but they can fix bones. Like, do you remember when Stamets broke his nose at the beginning and they're just like waving the thing over? Right, but would they bother with a dead body? Like, or is he just going to come back to a dead body? You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. I know what you mean. I'm more willing to hand wave 
that kind of issue. Okay. But I'm also worried that when they were hinting that this wasn't the last we've seen of Dr. Culber, that they meant that we would see him in the mycelial network. And that was it. Yeah, I'm kind of afraid of that, too. I hope, mm-hmm. like, I hope he's not just there forever. You know, and, and Paul keeps seeing yeah. him there. Yeah, I was just going to say, is this going to be a sort of thing where Paul keeps going into the mycelial network to have a relationship with his dead partner? Ugh. That would be weird. That's definitely still bearing your gaze. Because eventually, I'm sure somebody would talk him out of it. Yeah. <sighs> I didn't really like the early visuals of the mycelial network when Stamets mm-hmm. first went in. But when it morphed to be like the ship and he was running around and something's wrong with the mycelial network, that yeah. part was cool. And I liked that... Dr. Culber helped him work it out. I'm not sure how Mirror Stamets got out because of what the other Stamets did. But anyways, we'll hand wave past that. It was a fun little mislead when they did that. Like, yeah. Yeah. And that was, it was the other really interesting thing to me is that they've had this plot line planned out since way at the beginning because do you remember the end of one of the early episodes the first toothbrushing episode where Stamets the the mirror image of him like stays there for a minute and they reference back to how that was mirror Stamets trying to get Mm -hmm. through to him so that really impressed me about the writing too and calling Tilly captain and and all the other like weird things that had been happening to him yeah so I've Really enjoying this Tomet storyline. It'll be interesting to see what other things they have in store for him in the future. And if all the seasons have this much um, threads woven throughout that get picked up on. Mm -hmm. Which I hope they do. Me too. Oh, I will also say, Maris Tomets did get that great line at the beginning where the other Tomets was like, are we, am I oh, dead? Yeah. And he was like, yes, and there is a god, and she is very mad at you. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. That was cute. Okay, so I guess, is there anything else you want to say about, like, the sub-plot lines? I just want Colburn and Stamets to be together and happy. <laughs> that's all. And I don't think that's a big, I don't think that's a big ask. No, I don't think Bring so. Bring the dead back, it's fine. Mm-hmm. We can hand wave a lot, Star Trek. We can we can do this. Okay. So then, of course, the main plot of the episode was dealing with Burnham and Georgiou and Lorca. And we talked a little bit about it at the mm-hmm, beginning. Mm-hmm. But I think there was so much stuff there that we've got to talk more about it. Well, yes. Yes. Okay. Where do we, well, where do we want to start? Well, let's... Well, okay, the acting in this episode by Sonequa was amazing. Yes. yes. And Jason Isaacs and Michelle Yeoh were all just incredible. Yes. Some of the writing was a little ambiguous when they're like talking about their past relationship. Like, yes. I, I don't, um, I'm a little, maybe a little squeaked out is all I'm saying. Yes. About which people's relationship? Quite possibly, A, Lorca and the Emperor, weird, 
and then adopting Michael. And then, like, was it just like a father-daughter thing that they ditched the emperor? Or was it like a relationship thing? A romantic thing? Because yeah. that I'm not okay with. I'm not okay with that. I know, I know. And the flashbacks totally made it seem that yeah. way. Yeah, not okay with that. Not okay. If it, if it was like father-daughter saying, no, mom is evil, I'm okay with that. If it was like for the first bit of their life, they had a father-daughter relationship. And then for the second bit, they had... A sexual relationship? Then that is gross and disturbing, and I hope Lorca dies. Mm, yes. Yes, agree. And I'd really like for them to, in no uncertain terms, say so that I know whether or not I should even slightly root for Lorca. <laughs> yes. And I'm just reminded of a Twitter thread that I stumbled across this week by uh, Fangirl Jean, uh, who I believe you follow as well. Y yes, and I know her. In life. Yes. yes. She's awesome. Anyways. Um, but she was bringing up an issue with Star Wars about the shipping of uh, Kylo Ren and Rey. And about how, like, women are repeatedly conditioned through mass media and other means of not only accepting monstrous men, but expecting that in romantic relationships and she posted a lot of examples but as soon as i thought i saw it i thought like yes like Lorca, because he has definitely shown his actions to be questionably ethical moral honorable mm -hmm. and yet he's still being positioned as a captain who's given a position of power he has gotten romance plots and we're just being told that this is okay yeah so okay here's my question though if we mm -hmm. had gotten all of this story from the mirror unis uni blah, blah 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 hold on mm -hmm. let me be able to speak the mirror mm -hmm. universe's point of view I feel like we would feel better about Lorca. Okay, creepy possible sexual relationship with his daughter aside. <laughs> um, let's just pretend that's not happening. Bury our heads in the sand and look away. Until we get actual confirmation, because I don't think Star Trek would be that. Ugh. Anyways, let's just carry on. Okay. I think we would feel better about Lorca because he is... I mean, I don't necessarily think we would like him, but... Mm. Like, look at the world that they live in, the, well, the cannibalism, the, the terribleness of, like, like, it's a crappy world. Um, well, yeah. And he is basically, as far as we know, doing everything in his power to bring down the emperor and change things. No, 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 no. We know that he's doing everything in his power to bring down the emperor. We don't actually know. Oh, uh, yeah. I meant the change his... things. I meant, yeah. as far as we know, the change things. Yeah. I, okay. Who knows? Um, yeah. Like, he could just be trying to take down the emperor to be the new emperor. Because that's how you get ahead. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's true. But, let, but, okay, let's just pretend that we're going with him being a semi-good person. Right. Like, I don't think we would feel as hostile towards him 
if we had everything from the point of view of this universe, because it's a shitty universe to be in. And I can see where maybe you'd have to make some shitty decisions like like Michael deciding to eat that ganglia in order to survive and get into a position where you could affect change in this universe. Now, that being mm-hmm. said, we haven't had this sort of point of view and we don't know his true motivations and all that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I still have problems with how often this trope comes up. Oh, yeah, I mean, yeah, 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 definitely. Part of it is just the, the problem that there are so many male-centric storylines. Yes. That you're you're going to see more of everything then. Um, so that's definitely part of the problem. And I'm not going to unpack the whole problem here um, because this is a Star Trek podcast and that's veering a little bit far. Uh, it, it affects Star Trek, but it's not like the main tenet of what Star Trek is supposed to be unpacking or be about. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested to see where that goes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just where Lorca's character goes in general. Do you think Prime Universe Lorca is dead? <sighs> That's a good question. The Emperor did say about seeing Lorca again. And like it's I feel like it's fairly clear that like the Emperor knew something was up the minute Michael oh, yeah. and Lorca yeah. appeared back in the scene. So I wonder if the two Lorcas swapped places and then she executed Lorca already or he was a prisoner of hers somewhere else telling mm-hmm. her about the... Because she knew what the symbol of the Federation was. Right? Like, she knew what that was. And it could have been from the Discovery... Or not the Discovery, the Defiance Logs. That could be where she knew it from. But it could also be that the Lorcas swapped positions and she's been torturing and interrogating the other Lorca. It- yeah, it could be both. Yes. Like, it could be that she recognized him as Federation and mm-hmm. killed him already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I just don't see how we're going to have Jason Isaacs in season two if other Lorca isn't alive. And I'd like to have Jason Isaacs back because I like him. I, I would too. And also, like, who's going to be, like, I don't know. What are they going to do with the Discovery without that captain who's going to be captain and take, I don't know. Will they actually do the logical hierarchical thing and promote Saru to captain? As much as I like that idea, I also really like them doing like the typical TV thing and promoting Michael to captain just to see the look on Saru's face. Oh, God. We liked Saru so much at the beginning of the season, and now I feel like it's becoming this like torture Saru trope thing. I do still like Saru. I like him a lot, but it he's like... He he's like like despite everything, I just sort of feel dynamic wise. He's almost kind of like the little brother who you just kind of want to torture. This has actually come up. Well, I don't know if other fans have recognized this, but me and my own group of fans have recognized that the Star Trek: The Next Generation and Deep Space Nine did have this penchant for episodes that we always referred to as like the torture Jordy or torture torture O'Brien episodes where mm-hmm. like they would end up getting captured by the enemy they would end up getting like passed over for promotion they would end up like they just never seem to catch a break 
Okay, I will say I don't want him physically actually tortured. I mean, I want him like sibling tortured. Right, right. By the crew of the Discovery. <laughs> yeah. So all in good fun. <laughs> I don't want anybody to eat his ganglia. No, no. <laughs> I know that was awkward. That was, and it was funny in that whole intro scene where she walks into the throne room and the emperor is there and she has her choose a Kelpian. And Michael's thinking and all the rest of us are thinking like to be her like body servant, right? Like to bathe her and like tend to her clothes and unpack for her and like do all those things. Oh, and then I you definitely realize, thought that Kelpian was going to die. Oh, I didn't really? think they were going to eat him, but I did think that Kelpian was going to die. Also, weren't you arguing with me about calling it cannibalism? Oh, yeah. But A, I like to be devil's advocate and... <laughs> <laughs> and give you a hard time. And B, I mean, we never did come up with another word for it. So that is species cannibalism. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. What else do we have to say about this episode? I just need them to sort out that relationship. Yes. Dynamic thing. And in a not creepy way. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. I was not cool with that at all. Nope. God, Michael from that universe must be so messed up. Oh, yeah. yeah. I will say, um, this makes me feel so much better about how Lorca treated the Admiral. Like, not great, but better. With the pulling the gun on her? Or, like, just generally, yeah, like... Yeah, and, like, like, that whole situation, because he had a mission to get home. Like, he couldn't... He couldn't... It wasn't just him not wanting to give up the ship, or... It wasn't just him about the war, or anything like that. He... Oh. He needed to get home. Right. Right, I see what you're saying. You know, so I can kind of understand more of why he did those shitty things. That's what I'm saying about the story from that point of view, if it turns out that he's a good guy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, it does put more context into all of those sorts of actions. Yeah. We just really need to see which Lorca version we end up with. Yeah, I hope we don't lose Jason Isaacs. Yeah. That would be a shame, because he's an excellent actor. Yeah. Although, also, like, um, that's kind of a a tick in the... We probably will lose him, call him, because he is an excellent popular actor and probably does have a lot of potential work. Mm. So he might not want to come back for season two. Right. Although, he, he does seem to have enjoyed himself, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It'll be interesting to see what they do. I know some other shows have kind of... They go through the main cast like the walking dead right like i haven't seen the show mm -hmm. but from what i've heard like there is a certain amount of cast that gets killed off game of thrones does this i can't see where this works really great with a star trek concept because one of the fundamental things that most people realize is key to a successful star trek tv franchise is the chemistry of the main cast yeah so if you have people, you know, dying off and being replaced, then it becomes harder for the actors and the writers to build that chemistry. And that's a big part of what fans tune in for. I think anyways, it is, like yes. it's a really big draw and the cast they have right now, I think is largely really good and has really good potential 
to have a long Star Trek run ahead of it. Well, I will say, actually, for this cast, like they did tragically start it off by killing someone off. Well, yes. So uh, maybe we should have taken that more to heart. She well, the death of Giorgio, though, she wasn't on the Discovery crew. That's true. So, and if you will recall, I did have some problems with them using that sort of prequel pilot to introduce the series in general. I, I do recall, yes. Yeah. Kind of a false start, but it's done, so... And well, if we hadn't had that, this Mirror Universe stuff wouldn't have the same kick to it. That is true. I guess, um... It, if Lorca does stay, die, whatever, mm-hmm. um, like stay in the mirror universe so that we wouldn't have him in season two. Mm-hmm. And Tyler presumably doesn't come back somehow one way or another. Cause I can't imagine Paul and Tyler on the same ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and my, I'm very much on Paul's side there, mm-hmm. obviously. Mm-hmm. And, and, and like Lorel is probably gone also. That, so that's like three big-ish characters that we might not have back next season. Mm-hmm. That does open up to get to know a lot of the other crew on the ship. Um, that's true. Like we've pointed out the other people on the bridge who we'd like to see more of. That's right. And, and I think one of these Star Trek producers did a little tease for next episode that we're going to get to see more of those other bridge crew members in the episode next week. So... Maybe that's what they're gearing up towards, is that, like, there's going to be this big shakedown, and then, you know, aside from Sonequa, all the other major big-budget actors are going to be killed off, and we'll be left with another. Well, I, I hope not. I, also, I really like the idea of um, the Emperor staying the Emperor, so there's potential for future Mirror Universe episodes and therefore Michelle Yeoh cameos. But I can understand where maybe that is not the case. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Now, you said you really want Dr. Culver back. I do. What would you be willing to live with in order to get that? Like, would creepy Lorca Burnham relationship be okay if they brought back Culber? Uh, I mean, if Lorca doesn't come back. <laughs> sure. Like, if he dies? Yeah, sure. Because I presume I guess God, I don't know if I would wish that on anybody, though, even a mirror universe mm. person. Um, but is that Michael dead? Good question. Very good question. I am kind of getting tired of the Mirror Universe. So whatever they do, I kind of hope they wrap it up and it's not going to be like a regular once a season jaunt to the Mirror Universe. Yeah, I definitely wouldn't want to spend this much time in the Mirror Universe again. Mm -hmm. When I said like revisiting it, I meant like fun one-offs, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not like, oh, we took a bad left turn Mm -hmm. in the mycelial network and oh shit, we're back. Right. Okay. Do you have any predictions for what might happen next week? Well, Lorca confronts the Emperor. Okay. 
<laughs> All right. Hopefully they figure out a way home. I really want to see, I really just want all of Lorca's motivations, his actual truthful motivations, laid out for us. That would be cool. I don't know that we're going to get it that clearly. I know, but I want to know if I should root for him or not. Yeah. It's hard having a character this ambiguous, who we've grown to like, and then, I mean, somewhat like... I will rescind all like if he was in a sexual relationship with his daughter. Yes. Yes. Full stop. Not okay. Ugh. Why would they even write that? I don't know. Like, that whole storyline works just as well if it's just like father and daughter are deciding they need to take down mother. Right. No creepiness needed. Yes. Yes. Yeah, all the flashes to, like, destiny and, and people drawn together. I mean, maybe it, it could be red non-creepy, but I definitely got skeezed out by it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think that either the Emperor or Lorca is gonna, is gonna get killed. Uh, yes. And I think it's going to have to be from Burnham or one of those situations like Burnham witnessing their death and is helpless to prevent it. Yes. Or has to save them. Like is compelled to save them as like part of her own sort of spiritual reckoning, getting to face them again. Yeah. I wonder what would be like a better end for her, like saving this evil Giorgio or deciding to let evil Giorgio die and save Lorca or somebody. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Or like to have to sacrifice this version of Lorca or save him at the expense of this Giorgio. I don't know. I don't know what she would decide. Yeah. Now, there weren't many Easter eggs this this episode. And the only big nitpick that I have is has to do with the writing. And this bugged me so much. But basically, the Emperor convinces Burnham to negotiate with her. And part of the arguments she uses are like, well, isn't my version in your universe an honorable woman and therefore you should trust me and I have a huge problem with that because it's a huge logical fallacy mm -hmm. to to go on that assumption well I think like I agree um, but I, I think that was Michael letting her emotions get in the way of logic yeah which is kind of Michael's whole story like the logic or the emotions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. i hope it's either that or she was just like she didn't have many options right there's that also to, like, she didn't yeah. yeah and slight nitpicky as to burnham's sort of like sudden realization about Lorca. i don't know that 
she would be convinced by what the emperor told her. Hmm. The sensitivity to light thing is kind of a big, like if you didn't at least suspect. I had missed that. Did they say that the people in this universe are sensitive to light? Yes, they did. That, that okay. was what kicked off the realization. Gotcha. That is not something that has, I think, come up in other mirror universes. Maybe they just sort of did it because everything's always dark and gloomy there. Maybe. Okay. I had one nitpick. Yep. Um, Lorca in the torture device mm-hmm. still playing his game that he's not, that he's Federation Lorca when nobody Federation is around and when there's absolutely no reason to. <laughs> Yep. Like, like that was that was just to play on the audience. No other reason for him to do what he was doing there. Like, to look confused about who the girl was. Like, oh god, I don't know. What am I going to say? No. You raise a good point. There was no real reason for him to play that. Not, and, and to not, and to play that he didn't know who that, that Lorca soldier dude was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like that, no, there was no reason for that other than tricking the audience. Yeah, I hadn't picked up on that because it wasn't like they set it up where they discovered that Lorca wasn't the real Lorca and then set out to do that scene. Yeah, that was part of the whole thing. Anyways, yeah. Yeah, so they could have cut that specific bit out and just had him break out of the agonizer. Yeah. Or just changed that a bit. Changed it around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because also, it's also bringing up that tired trope of, like, women in fridges. Hmm? Like, you like, know, I know the he trope. sacrificed I know the, the sister. Oh, he sacrificed the sister. It was, like, the sister's death was the reason the guard was doing all this. And now he's oh, okay, for the guard. So, like, there was this dead woman in the background, in the backstory who is his motivation i gotcha yes sorry i was thinking of it like no women died here is sort of what i'm thinking but yes yeah i i didn't like that whole like you know now i'm gonna torture you specifically because you you know did something horrible to my sister i didn't like that to begin with and now that you've pointed out that really there was no purpose for it other than tricking the audience with Lorca's reaction to it and building up kind of like a false suspense on our part. Mm-hmm. That's kind of weak writing. And also it would have been so much better if it had been um, the original security officer from our universe. Ooh, Landry. Yeah. If she had come in and was torturing him about something, that would have been great. That would have been cool. I would have enjoyed that. Me too. Okay. Now, I don't think we got any new listener comments this week specifically about the show. We did just as we started recording from Matt on Twitter. Well, okay, I will talk about last week's or the the comments that I um, didn't properly attribute. Okay. I wanted to just point out because I was looking through our Twitter feed and I realized that some of the theories that we mentioned on our bonus episode and last week, uh, specifically about Lorca and Mirror Universe, uh, they were brought up to us 
on Twitter in our DMs by one of our Twitter followers, Ms. Myra at Myra Carmel. And I don't think I properly attributed that to you, Myra. So I'm sorry. And I'm correcting that right now. And yes, you were totally right about the whole mirror Lorca thing. So, um, you totally called it before they, we knew about it. And thank you for sending us those messages earlier in January. That was awesome. I think I read about it on another article as well, and then just got confused about where I'd seen the idea from. But it was, it, Myra definitely brought that up with us. Cool. And then the other thing I wanted to quickly mention was that uh, we called out for recommendations on other podcasts, specifically podcasts that are uh, have hosts who maybe people of color or LGBTQ. And one of our Twitter followers, Jacob Sanders at Tribble314, he has sent us a couple recommendations, uh, notably Hollow Sweethearts. And I've checked out the Hollow Sweethearts episode on The Wolf Inside and enjoyed their perspective. One of their hosts, Nora, identifies herself as a trans queer writer game developer. Their other host, Aster, identifies as a non as non-binary and as a printmaker. And that's all I know about them. I read that on their Twitter bios. Um, they also, in that episode, talked about the problematic aspect of killing off Dr. Culber and saying, no, no, we're not doing bury your gaze trope. Nudge wink when you've just shown us the bury your gaze trope. Um, so I'm looking forward to listening to their perspective on the storylines and discovery. Mm-hmm. That particular episode of theirs was cut short because they had technical problems, though. Um, and Jacob Sanders recommended some other podcasts as well, but I haven't had a chance to check them out and actually listen to them to recommend them or tell you guys about them. So when I've had a chance to do that, I will hopefully have other podcasts to let you know about. Yay. Okay. Yeah, so Matthew on Twitter today, at Matthew Vos asks, do you think Jason Isaacs will be in season two? And we've kind of addressed that. We're hoping yes. We're hoping it's good. As long as he's not a creeper. Yeah, as long as he's not a creeper. Then he can die. That's fine. Yeah. Maybe they'll do like a swap again and we'll get like the regular Lorca back, which I think would be cool. We would still get to hopefully explore themes of PTSD. And uh, see how that plays out. But it could have a much different slant in a Lorca that wasn't originally from the Mirror Universe. Mm-hmm. And then he also asks, if I cosplay as Lorca later in the year, do I need to shave off my beard? Also, where can I get a leather jacket like his? Okay, so what you'd have to do is embrace mm-hmm. being Lorca on the run. Mm. Right. You know, like, just scruff it all up. That's right. And as for where to get the leather jacket like his, I have no clue. I did a quick Google. You did? Okay. And pretty much could only find replicas of Kirk's leather jacket from the movies. Yeah. So, I don't know either. Although I think if... I was just going to say that's how I came across that funny picture that I sent you earlier so it was worth it okay I think 
as well if I had time and inclination to study pictures of the jacket. You could seek out a similar styled leather jacket just like on, you know, regular retail kind of thing. You could probably do that. I don't know how easy or how inexpensive it would be to do that. And this is one of the reasons why I want to do more sewing. Because a lot of times it's easier to see something and just be like, I will modify these two sewing patterns to make it and go buy the material and do it rather than comb through retail sites trying to find just the right thing to make it look like this. And But besides all that, Matthew is obviously missing the main point, which is that he should definitely cosplay as Captain Tilly. <laughs> Did you hear that, Matthew? Definitely cosplay as Captain I Tilly. Mean, everybody should. <sighs> well... It does seem like it would be a fun cosplay to do. If I don't get to take a lot of pictures with the Tilly at Emerald City Comic Con, I'm going to be very upset. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you have to go with like a mission to get lots of pictures. Yes. Respectfully asking any cosplayers for permission first. Oh. Which goes without saying. I'm just... Yeah. Um, one more comment that came in on my own Twitter this morning from Calvin KT at Calvin, who has commented on our podcast specific Twitter before. Um, but he had just been mentioning that, uh, the entire Vockler thing from start to finish really bothered him because in any sort of like, normal run ship Tyler wouldn't be put back into service right away he would be evaluated in a, a psych ward first after an experience like that and his second one was the whole barrier gaze arc yeah. bothered him as well so yeah yeah oh yeah I guess I should do a fortune cookie okay okay it's about Lorca it, this fortune cookie Lorca. will tell okay. us how we should feel about Lorca. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Fun and excitement will mm. soon be yours. I think that means he's a creep. Hmm. Yeah. I think it means he's a creep? I think it means that the real Lorca is in an agonizer somewhere and is going to be released. And compared to an agonizer, you know, being a captain is fun and excitement. I guess. It would be really interesting to see Prime Universe... Lorca just have a completely different personality, like be kind of mm -hmm. not meek, but unassuming, I suppose. And more like desk yeah. job type administrative. Like him and Saru would be good friends. Right. <laughs> right. It'll be interesting to see, though, because like uh, was pointed out by Calvin, uh, any sane sort of ship or like military organization or you know when somebody comes back from an experience like that any sane bureaucracy wouldn't look at that and be like oh here's your ship here you go keep sciencing yeah carry on they would not do that they would be like okay so you're on administrative leave and here's your doctor you're gonna see them three times a week yeah and until we have fully gone through everything, we're just going to be on, you know, disability leave, basically. Here you go. Yep. So, 
it'll be interesting to see how much hand waving we have to do. Although to be fair, like Picard was also at one point uh, taken prisoner and tortured. Uh, well, I mean, depending on your definition of that, his Borg experience and his Cardassian experience could be two separate ones that he's gone through and he got to keep his captaincy after those. I'm sure he was so pretty much fine. That's actually one of the few times where the characters were allowed to have uh, callbacks to previous trauma was pretty much Picard and next gen. So Um, I think that's it for this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, There's no other really spoiler theories to discuss. Um, There's just lots of anticipation until next week's episode. Yes. May it come swift. Yes. Yes. I'm sure it will. My weeks are busy. But not too swift. No, having some anticipation is nice. It is. So, thank you for listening. This is Jen. This is Caitlin. If you have any questions or comments you would like to share, you can contact us at own at gmail.com or at own on Twitter. Please, if you haven't already, uh, subscribe to the podcast and like, share, review, and recommend us to your friends. We would appreciate it. Yeah. This is where we get awkward, right? I mean, it's in the notes, so we have to. Totally. Yeah. Okay. All right. See you all next week. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Sorry. <laughs> um, I agree. <laughs> Jen droning on about Star Trek. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, this is very early for me. This has nothing to do with you being boring. <sighs> yep. Yeah, I know. I know. Um, okay. No, I agree about. That's going to be a pain to edit. (laughs) Let's start again. Okay, you've drawn on about Star Trek, Mm -hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then...